0: The following is a reflection on the readings for Friday of the ninth week of Ordinary Time in the Gospel from Mark chapter 12, verses 35 to 37. In the previous few Gospel passages, Jesus had been challenged at times rather antagonistically by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes regarding the payment of taxes, the resurrection, and the greatest commandment. Yesterday's Gospel concluded rather abruptly with this statement, quote, After that, no one dared to ask him any questions, end of quote. The interlocutors having been silenced, Jesus then takes the floor and begins his own inquiry. Since the passage is brief but complex, I will quote from today's Gospel. While Jesus was teaching in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself, by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how can he be his son? And the large crowd was listening to him with delight. End of quote. Notice that Jesus is teaching in the temple, the very wheelhouse of the Sanhedrin's authority. The question posed goes directly to the identity of Jesus. In the background lies... Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 14, in which God, speaking through the prophet Nathan, says to King David, quote, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son." And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. End of quote. In other words, the Messiah would be son of David. Now in today's Gospel, Jesus asks the Sanhedrin, How can the Messiah be the son of David? When David himself declares, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. The Lord in Psalm 110 refers to God and my lord refers to the earthly king of Israel. The psalm was originally used at the coronation of the king of Israel, but when the temple and monarchy were destroyed in 586 at the hands of the Babylonians, it came to mean not the earthly king of Israel, but the Messiah whose kingdom would last forever. So when Jesus quotes Psalm 110, he is using the latter interpretation Which is now rendered, God said to his Messiah, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Thus the question, How can the Messiah be the son of David? Since when does a father, that is David, address their sons in this way, by calling the son, My Lord? The implication is that David reveres the Messiah as someone superior to himself. In the New Testament, there are other references with the similar implication, for example, that Jesus is called greater than Solomon in Matthew 12, verse 42, greater than Abraham in John 8, verse 53, and greater than Jacob in John 4, verse 12. Thus, already in the Old Testament, Psalm 110 is prefiguring the great mystery of the Incarnation, that is, Jesus, who is from the line of Judah, and thus a son of David, is superior to David and all the Old Testament saints, not just in degree, but in kind. Here, Jesus as Messiah is not just continuing in the line of great kings or anointed ones, but is Yahweh in the flesh. Just as Jesus exploded the narrow thinking of the Pharisees, who wanted to maintain that there was no transformed, resurrected life after death, so Jesus is challenging the Sanhedrin's position that the Messiah would be a great anointed but human king who would restore Israel to its former greatness. Jesus is pointing out to the Sanhedrin in their own Jewish temple what he drew out from the apostles on the way to Caesarea when he asked, Who do people say that I am? This astounding claim will be fully realized when Jesus, standing before the same Sanhedrin at his trial, is asked by the high priest, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus responding by, quoting from Daniel chapter 7, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven, end of quote. Mark chapter 14, verse 62. Thus to answer the original question, Jesus in his human nature is Son of David, but in his divine nature Son of God and David's Lord. One further important point in the gospel, when Jesus quotes Psalm 110, he says that David wrote the psalm, quote, by the Holy Spirit, end of quote. As St. Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. When Paul says all Scripture is inspired by God, the word inspired literally means God-breathed. That is, sacred Scripture is from God and reveals the very inner life of God. It's God's knowledge of Himself as He is in Himself in us, as St. Thomas Aquinas so often says. So by reading Scripture every day and meditating on it, memorizing certain key verses, we really fill our minds with Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Or to put it in the negative, as St. Jerome says, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. This is something we really need to keep in mind as Catholics for a number of reasons. First, we can't love what we don't know. Just as when a couple first meet, they want to know each other better, and this knowledge eventually leads to love leading to union. It's the same in the spiritual life. Second, we are called to evangelize as Christians. It's difficult to do when we don't know the faith ourselves. Third, in this modern secular culture, we are forced to make moral choices very frequently to exercise our conscience. But it must be an informed one. There is a lot at stake in some of these issues. So we are called upon to know our faith and the Catholic faith as informed, especially by Scripture and the teaching authority of the Church. The second aspect of St. Paul's teaching is also important not only loving the Scriptures, but living the Word of God, putting faith into practice. So St. Paul invites Timothy to learn by observing how St. Paul lives. It is also important for us as Christians because when we claim to be Catholic, People will examine how we live the faith. How we live can either inspire someone to want to know more about God or turn them off completely. So perhaps we should from time to time in our prayers and our examination of conscience consider whether we can, with St. Paul, invite others to, quote, observe my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, especially in persecutions and sufferings, end of quote. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, direct our actions according to your good pleasure, that in the name of your beloved Son we may abound in good works. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God for ever and ever. Amen.